2: Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I am your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Houday. Zim, say what's up? Hello,
1: world. How y'all doing this evening? I'm doing rather chipper myself with my brand new mug. Look at my mug, man. My wife gave me this for Father's Day.
2: That's that's what's up.
1: And guess where she got it.
2: where she get it from?
1: Everybody that's listening, this is not a plug. This is just real talk. We he, She got it from our fanatics link. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, check out Ace's link um, in the in the um, in the comment section here or he'll roll it across there on the YouTube bar. If you follow me on the gram, then make sure you just click the link there. But it's a fanatics link where we got extra discounts. You get a custom mug. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can get a custom mug for the low ski. I got some uh, slippers, a whole bunch of crap. So I didn't even want to plug that, but I just so happen to be using this great product as we are recording.
2: I mean, that's the perfect plug because as you guys see, I also have my Fanatics Draft Day hat and I just received my T. Higgins jersey. So I've got this Ooh. 85 right here is actually a T. Higgins. Let me see. Let me see that. Let me see the back of that. Damn, that
1: boy official. Look at him, people.
2: Yes, sir. So, that's my hey. Boy.
1: You already know where
2: you can get all of your stuff when when it's uh when it comes to the Bengals. Fanatics is the number one spot to definitely get your stuff, like Zim said. Why well, uh, me and yeah. Diddy
1: got the same birthday though, bro?
2: You and Diddy got the same birthday? What's up, Diddy? Diddy, wasn't your birthday yesterday? He
1: had hit me and said happy birthday. Like we got this. I think his his day is uh, his birthday is a day before mine. So if it, if you guys um don't know, I got older yesterday. Or hold up, was yeah yesterday. Had a good birthday shout out to my wife again
2: yeah she, happy she birthday definitely definitely wish them a, a belated birthday i definitely shouted them out on twitter but yes sir i saw your video too i was like i was laughing what um,
1: oh like singing happy birthday
2: the birthday song yeah yeah definitely uh, but to get into a couple of things we're going to talk about mike brown's comments and some some comments that kind of came out in terms of kneeling that Was kind of revealed. We're also going to talk about Jamal Adams. Been getting a lot of people asking me about Jamal Adams. Me and Zim will talk about that today. And then we're going to wrap the show up with the debate of old school versus new school in terms of Joe Mixon versus Corey Dillon. Let's kick things off, Zim. So we want to talk about Mike Brown. Uh, We all saw the comments. I believe it was Elise of WLWT in Cincinnati, uh, ended up breaking some news where she kind of interviewed George Aloka and several unnamed Bengals about the prospects of kneeling. Now, this came on the heels of uh, President Trump calling NFL players who kneel for the flag SOBs. Um, and it came out that um, eventually we ended up seeing the Bengals locked arms. But there was another uh, story behind that where they claimed that there was a meeting or a players only meeting, an emergency meeting that was put together. And it seemed that they were both on different sides of the spectrum. George Aloka and some players felt some way. There were several other players that felt another way. Um, And what ended up happening was there ended up being a meeting with Mike Brown, where he came in himself and basically said, hey, please don't kneel. Um, Our fans will crush us. And we've also seen that behavior kind of displayed from Mike Brown in the past when uh, they pretty much interviewed, uh, I think it was Eric Barry. Reed on a, on a walk-in and stuff like that. And he was asked several times by Mike Brown, no one else, no, none of the coaches or anything asked him that, but Mike Brown asked him, are you going to nil uh, during the national anthem? And then we also heard uh, from players like Preston Brown and Cordy Glenn that said when they first got there, uh, they asked them if they were going to nil and basically said that we don't do that here. Uh, so The Bengals responded and they tried to say that Mike Brown did not try to force them. But it seems that George Aloka felt differently about that because he seemed to say like it was either you're going to not kneel or you're going to get cut or you're not going to get an extension and stuff like that. So based off of what's going on now, especially with the Bengals trying to change their tone on that and and donating two hundred thousand to local communities and having a guy like Joe Burrow come out and support those kind of social movements. Uh, where does this lead the Bengals? And what do you think about what you heard uh, from the story of Mike Brown and, and him on NILA?
1: Man, I mean, this is, I think it's a wake up call. Like, you know, I think America's been getting a wake up call all year, you know, already. And with the spread of uh, of COVID-19, it's just, we're, we're treading in these waters that have, have, are just uncharted and they hadn't been before. And I think, On the backstory of being an NFL player and being, in this case, a black millionaire, a white millionaire at such a young age, I think from the outside looking in, most people just say, you know what? I'm not saying that people are just saying shut up and dribble, but most sentiment is that, hey, guys, just be quiet, play, get your money, whatever. I think this article was so good. Um, It really touched me because it was the first thing I read when I woke up um, on my birthday. I think it it was published on the 22nd, but it was like in the evening. But when I when I woke up and I was reading, I was just like, man, like it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how much money you make in the world. There's always a chance that you could lose it all. There's always a chance that people are going to undermine you, not look at you or respect your opinion, no matter how much money you have. And in this case, uh, George Aloka being the main focal point of like a lot of the different points in this story it just goes to show you like a black millionaire who you would think has it all, you know, like felt very uncomfortable in this setting, walked away from it thinking that, Hey, this is, you know, like I need to do something about it. And like, and it's this fine line that they got to live every day to say, like, how much do I jeopardize? How much do I stand up? You know, like when people look at the, the, the different things that happen with Kaepernick, most people say, Oh, well, he, he he got the Nike contract, and you know, like and, and we're not gonna go into the details of that, and we're gonna, we're not gonna go into the Kaepernick story, but it's so easy for a lot of people to just say, just shut up, get your money, and just get on a roster, you know what I mean? But there's other things and other elements to this, and the human element of this is a is a very slippery slope. It is a it is a tough thing that I can see players fighting every day, and George Arloka. In, in one thing, being part of a team, George Arloca would think, and just like I would think, everybody on the team, we're all, it's a brotherhood when you're playing for a team, that everybody will be on one accord. To have the white players that were on this, on this particular team, uh, you know, pretty much say, hey, look, we don't want that attention and stuff and not understanding at that point. I kind of understood America not understanding at that point. But if I'm your brother and we in here blood, sweat and tears every single day at practice and I'm saying this is the this is what we should do. This is what's right for for my people. You're my brother. Walk with me and do this with me. And to have that a 50 50 split as they describe it in the article is just like that's insane to me. Like when I think about every team that I've ever been on, whether it's white or black, like we're supporting each other. And I think from the outside And, you know, like uh, at that time, I'm I'm not going to like 2020, this is a different climate on what you can speak out on and what you can say. So I'm not going to like just dismiss that like that. That wasn't the case uh, three years ago. But inside the locker room, I would have thought it would have been a lot different. And to see that much backlash from uh, players, uh, ownership, excuse me, all in one. It's just, it, it was very, very eye-opening. It made me start thinking about other teams around the league and, like, what's going on with them, and I, I couldn't believe it. Like, there's so many points that there, – there's some quotables I would love to read for you, like, because it's, it's unbelievable, like, to me, at least.
2: Right, right. I mean, uh, for me, I knowing the type of person that Mike Brown is in terms of him, like, always, for the most part, being concerned about money and ticket sales and stuff like that, I could see him – um being worried about that and having having that play a factor especially given the fact that you know the the climate that i grew up in in cincinnati with there being race riots and stuff like that um i can i can understand that but to me it's also kind of disappointing like you said to to be a professional athlete and to say stuff like that and to have mike like him just being like george said that he was pretty much scared he almost like his heart was beating when he was like but mike this and that, and it's like for it to kind of just get dismissed. It would be different, I think, if if it was told. Now I'm not sure what happened. I'm not gonna say that I was there. Obviously, we're just hearing um, what we're what we've seen from the article. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like Mike Brown from his side came off as like trying to listen and say, "Hey, even though you know I don't want you to do this, I understand your your reasoning or something like that." It didn't seem like it was it kind of came off like that from that side. And I think like even if he didn't agree with it or something like that, I think just having that discussion with your players would make them at least feel better about the situation. But since that didn't happen, that was kind of a letdown. And then there's the other thing. like I saw some fans on, on Twitter kind of talking about it, and they said, okay, was that a Mike Brown only kind of decision? Was that was Katie involved in that decision? Was there any other elements or anyone else in the front office that felt the same way? Because it, it's almost kind of weird, and I'm not just trying to put this just on Mike Brown. I know the episode is called Mike Check, uh, but it's not just about Mike Brown. But when you look at that Eric Reed situation, and that's before we knew what was going on with this, it seemed like because like I think he filed a grievance against the Bengals and, and stuff like that, and I think when it happened, when Eric Reed told his standpoint of everything, he said that no one else in the Bengals office had mentioned it. It was like he never got any questions on it from any coaches. Yeah, that. or And then he, it, was, it was never an issue. It was just like at the very end, Mike Brown just pretty much came up to him and just straight up asked him, like, are you going to do this or not? And that was definitively essentially what kind of ended that. And it's kind of crazy because that was around the time that, if I'm not mistaken, they cut George Iloka. So I think they had Eric in and, and Zim, you guys are, you guys in the comments can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was at the same time, or right after, they had just walked away from George Iloka. And I know me and Zim, we've kind of talked about that as well. And there's always been conspiracy theories on Twitter that Iloka was released for his, his political statements and stuff that he made on Twitter. And I kind of talked with Zim about that because to be honest with you guys, I wasn't really on Twitter like that back then. I knew that he would, uh, you know, kind of converse with people like that. But when he did get cut, I was kind of shocked. But I talked to Zim about that and Zim kind of let me know, like, hey, there it may not have just been that. It may have been like the fact that he couldn't do certain things in the scheme. And that's understandable because, you know, like I said, I I didn't have eyes on the field or anything like that. But when he was cut, it was surprising to me because he had just signed an extension. I believe it was like the prior year or, or two years before right. that. And and so for me, I just thought that I was looking forward to seeing George local with Jesse Bates. But as Zim told me, like, look at what happened to him after that. He went to, I believe, Minnesota and then Dallas, and then he was out of the league. So, I mean, it probably could have been a culmination of both things. Like, maybe the talent wasn't worth putting up with that stuff as well. So, I think that it could have been that. Zim, what are your thoughts on um, George Alope in relation to that? Or do you have any further thoughts on on the topic?
1: Um I, I mean, I could we could do a whole entire show about this. Uh, I just want to go over some of the things that uh George was saying. He he said in in quotes, it's almost like saying, Go be oppressed somewhere else and keep it out of my sight, that sort of thing. He also said that um there was an emergency meeting that was, you know, you know, made like right after that. And then this time he said, just to just to fill people in with Mike Brown, he was saying, he said that was the first time he and Mike Brown spoke to us on a Saturday. The bottom bottom line is that he was begging us, please don't kneel. He didn't want the backfire that was going to come from it. And I close quote. The craziest thing about that to me is no one that I've ever met has had shared any sentiment with Mike Brown. For him to feel as though, to me, that's what's wrong with a lot of different things in this country. I think that's just a big cover up for like just his pers- his personal beliefs. That's just my opinion. For his personal beliefs on just trying to cover up the fact that he just didn't believe in players like, you know, Nielson cuz people were never in favor of uh, you know like this generation of Bengals fans have never been in favor of Mike Brown. So that wouldn't be the tipping point. I guess he's trying to capitalize on 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 the sales that were there and the people that were still supporting and generally a lot of them have said in my comments and directly to me or whatever that they wouldn't come to the game if, if players were to nil. Fast forward to 2020, that crowd is still there. You know, so that's very telling as well. You know, like with everything that's gone on and we've seen what happens when you have violent protests and we've, and we've heard from veterans that people still will use that. Um, they'll even take quotes when Kaepernick says, oh, I love being American. I, I, I got love and respect for the troops. You know, they'll still hide behind the fact that they just feel like it's super unpatriotic. And whether you fall on they should kneel or they shouldn't, I think we'll both agree that for this country of a silent protest versus the violent protest that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks and almost like a month now. The average person that the rational person will say, hey. We don't need our country being destroyed, right? And we need to listen up. So, whatever way you can get attention to it to make people feel uncomfortable, uh, and I stress that point to make people feel uncomfortable is exactly what players have to do at this point right now. Because if they don't, it's business as usual. So, when you come and then you come and say later on and say, hey, they shouldn't uh, kneel at halftime, I mean, they should go kneel at halftime or something. The attention is not there. The camera's not there. It, it fits what you believe um, you've been taught from the day that you've been, that you've grown up, including myself to pledge allegiance to the flag. But where's the attention and, and where, where does it make people feel uncomfortable? And I think when people understand like the, the different things that are going on in the country with bad officers, we can then address that point in, before we get there, Players are going to do everything in their power to get that across. And if you're not in favor of them kneeling, 2020 might not be the season for you to watch football.
2: Yeah. And like, for me, I think, I, I think we've kind of talked about this off the air, Zim. the way that I, I've kind of, I, the way that I kind of see it is when you look at the NBA, it's not the same thing over there. They don't have to take a knee um, during the national anthem because they their commissioner in that league and the NBA has been more open to them bringing awareness to matters openly and in a public forum because they're more accepting of it. The NFL hasn't really been like that. I think in 2020 you may see them, uh, be more vigilant on those kind of things, and maybe let players be more expressive. Obviously, we've seen a lot of the commercials out here with Pat Mahomes, the commissioner, and all of that. So, uh, whatever they do decide to do, uh, hopefully, it moves towards a productive, a productive push um, to bring everyone together. Uh, exactly. Sure. So, For so sure. as long I, as I
1: think players shouldn't be fearful. You know, like no. before, it just it just shows it goes to show you. Like, do you want your favorite Bengal fan? To be, I mean, favorite Bengals player to be fearful of his job just because he wants better for the country, whether you believe in what he's doing or not. I right. just don't, I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't agree. I, I wish, you know, the country was healthy enough where everything was great and, and we wouldn't have to even, you know, go to vote for something him. like that. Yeah, right. you wouldn't have to do that. And, and we have to get to that point, I think. So I just thought it was very, I thought it was really sad that players were very fearful for the, for their jobs. Preston Brown even said he, and if he could rewind time, he wish he would have did it because he was out the league pretty, I mean, you know, off the team and cut the following year anyway. So in his mind, he's like, I mean, if, if that's what was really, really, in my heart to do I should have did it you know and it goes to show you he did that trying to play the system trying to be do exactly what they wanted him to do to obtain his his check for his family and everything like that and there's nothing wrong with that but at the end of the day he still got cut so you know that's that's one of those things that it's just it's a hard pill to swallow when I read that whole thing and it just goes I mean even the comments in here someone is saying you know if they take a nail I'm done so You you might be done this year what else you got for us, Ace? Uh,
2: nothing. Nothing much. All I'll say is, like you said, hopefully we are bring awareness to the issues and hopefully there's some togetherness. I mean, obviously things have changed and gone and have progressed a long way because we did see that the Bengals did have about 30 individuals, whether it was coaches, teammates, and all of that, hop on a live and just like kind of hash it out. So I'm pretty sure there were guys that were there from that time that were able to really tell their side of the story. I, I'd be curious to know if any members of ownership were on there or if it was just coaching staff and players. Uh, but like you said, hopefully we can just move forward, man, and and just keep in mind, like Zim said, making this country better for everyone and and just progressing towards unity and everything like that, like you said, and understanding. And that's what it's going to take is those uncomfortable conversations that Zim has touched on in order for those understandings to kind of come across. Uh, so next, July let's talk. 28.
1: Hold on, July 28th. We got that, they got the official start of training camp. It's supposed to be July 28th. Did you see that?
2: Uh yeah, I did see that they were talking about July 28th for training camp. I also saw that they mentioned something about a shortened preseason. So looking forward to that. Um, but moving to the next topic, uh, Jamal Adams. I got a lot of people hitting me up about Jamal Adams. Um, from my personal standpoint, I don't think that they're gonna do it. Uh, number one, because they already have a logjam at the safety position. You're talking about Sean Williams. You're talking about Von Bell and Jesse Bates. You don't know like if they're even keeping those three. So to add someone like Jamal Adams to that standpoint doesn't make sense. And the fact that he wants a new extension just doesn't make sense if you've already got a guy like Joe Mixon waiting to get paid. Uh, A.J. Green. William Jackson, the third down the line. Now, don't get me wrong. Jamal Adams, is he an amazing player? Yeah, he's probably, if not the best safety in the NFL. It just doesn't make sense. And and it's one thing to if we really were hurting at safety. But in my opinion, I think we have a lot of talent at safety. I think we've got a lot of depth there. It's not like, you know, we need a Jamal Adams level um, right tackle or love guard like those are positions of need that we actually need him in but safety to me isn't isn't one he's a great player uh but what you'd have to give up and what you'd have to pay him and what you have based on your roster situation to me just doesn't make sense what about you old man <laughs> Old
1: oh, man Zim. um I, I just think jamal adams like uh they, they had a report come out today that he said like really the biggest problem that he had is with adam GaSe. um and that's the real reason why he wants to get away from the Jets. I think it's bigger than that. Like you said, he's probably arguably the best safety in the NFL. And these rookie contracts just do not pay you like their they're goal for uh, a team. So people have DM me different requests and different things like that. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, not requests, but. Uh, different solutions that they feel as though like will be good trade potential. Like give up Sean Williams in a second and John Ross, and I'm like, yeah, that will probably work on Madden. On oh, Madden,
2: that's Madden.
1: On, that's- and Madden, but but I try to tell him like, or the, the the couple people that did send me like different scenarios that they thought would work.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: value of a player on his rookie contract is huge, and I I preached that all all season with Joe Burrow, especially with a quarterback. It's the reason why Pat Mahomes is there and you're able to still sign, like, all of your guys around him. When he gets on his fifth year or whatever, like, yeah, he's going to have a lot of work on his own. Um, a lot of other positions, maybe not as valuable, but we're talking about the best safety in the NFL. And to me, there's no price on that. Like, some of the guy that's, like, entering into his prime on a rookie contract, like, you better give me a first. Like, you know, if 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 I'm Jamal, yeah, um, he says that he wants to play for the Cowboys. He says he's got a list, and this list has got Tampa Bay on it, Cowboys, and uh, a couple other teams, whatever. Bengals are not on that list, and I don't right. see any scenario where it, it could even work. They don't have enough capital. They don't have enough uh, – yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a little long-winded on that one. It, it just wouldn't work.
2: No, my, I, I agree with you. I agree, I agree I with you. Agree. No, he's awesome. Like, He's an awesome player.
1: Yeah.
2: Nah, I agree with you. I mean, he's an amazing player. This is not us trying to say that we wouldn't want the Bengals to go after him. It just from a from like we just said, it just really doesn't make sense. And from what I've seen, it looks like he may be close to possibly um, being traded to the 49ers, according to, like, the last statement or the last rumors that they have on that. So the last topic that we want to broach is uh, about Joe Mixon versus Corey Dillon. And the reason that this just came to my mind is throughout this week I was just, like, I had stuff on in the background doing work. And one thing that was interesting was one of the games was with Corey Dillon. And, you know, I believe this was in 1997, I believe. This is when he finally, like, took the starting role from Kajana Carter, just really kind of exploded as as the guy that we thought that he was. And then I noticed that there were several similarities between him and Joe Mixon. Uh, The first one is that they're both from the West Coast. The second one that was interesting that really made me broach this topic was when they were talking about Corey Dillon. They were saying Corey Dillon was a first round talent. However, his past and, you know, some off the field stuff was the reason that he fell to the second and the reason that the Bengals were able to get him. And the light bulb went off in my head and I was like, who does that sound like? That sounds like Joe Mixon. And then also they both were number 28, um, both very talented running backs. So I guess my question is Zen, for you. Who are you taking between Joe Mixon and Corey Dillon? Like for me,
0: who,
2: yeah, for you. Let's now, let's start now, it off now, with you. Now, is
1: this am I able to put him on my on a twenty twenty roster or just just period? Like who is the who is the? I better? think
2: to be fair, you have to be able. You have to make it like interchangeable. Like okay, you could put Joe Mixon on, you know, the two thousand Bengals or whatever you want to do. I mean, obviously that's probably bad because we weren't as good. Um, during that time, but 1997 they weren't bad either. Like they just they just couldn't pull off the full comeback. Uh, but I guess it would be interchangeable. Any time period, prime Joe Mixon or prime Corey Dillon. Who are you I'm taking? A, I'm
1: gonna go prime Dillon all the way. And it's a level of toughness and just uh, and, and not to say Joe Mixon's is not tough. Corey Dillon has a level of consistency that I just don't see most running backs being able to do. And moving forward, like that workhorse style running back, the Derrick Henrys of the world, like hope I wish them the best. They just don't last that long. Joe Mixon, I would love for him to carry the rock crazy every year, you know. But the reality is, I just I can't. I don't see him going that far, like, that consistent based on what we've already seen the seasons he's already gotten hurt. Now maybe his workout regimen is a lot better. Maybe less uh, soft tissue injuries, all these things like that. But the value of the consistency from Corey Dillon, the toughness, the breakaway speed, all these different things like that, just, I mean, Corey Dillon has done things that, I mean, very few running backs in the whole entire league have done. Now if we're talking pure just talent – on, and I got a Super Bowl running formula team. I would entertain the idea of Joe Mixon because he's really damn good too. But uh, I just think Corey Dillon his game translates to now. It translates then. Uh, a better team put him on that like like imagine him like somebody asked me this like a year ago. They said, "Man, imagine Corey Dillon on that 2015 team like the way that they were they were feeding." um, uh, Jeremy Hill in a way that you know like similar body type similar body type, but just imagine Corey Dillon on that team Dalton goes out you are probably still talking about a, a deep playoff run with a Corey Dillon just because he had the ability to take over a game from the running back position we haven't seen that from Joe Mixon but we've seen that in halves from Joe Mixon we haven't seen that for a whole entire games and let alone know breaking NFL records and crazy stuff like that and both of them are extremely great athletes, extremely gay, uh, great talents, but Corey Dillon gets the nod for me on this one.
2: Right. I, I'm definitely going to agree with you, but for, I guess, the argument's sake, I guess I have to take the other side. But don't get it twisted. To me, Corey Dillon is the best Bengals running back of all time. I don't even think that is close. I mean, even when you look at the career leaders for the Bengals, Corey Dillon is number one. Uh, but for argument's sake, I'm going to take the Joe Mixon side. So if you're trying to say that Joe Mixon is better than Corey Dillon, I think that you would try to argue that based off of um, him as a receiver. I think that you could probably say that Joe Mixon is a better receiver when it comes to um, his skills in terms of his hands and in terms of his shiftiness. I'd probably say he's a little bit more shifty. Uh, He's got a crazy kind of combination of of size and speed. So if you're of the new school thought where you're like, "Oh, this era is more athletic." You probably try to say that that's a reason that you could go with Joe Mixon as well. The other thing is look at the line that Corey Dillon had. Yes, the teams were not great. But he did have some decent offensive lines when we talk about Big Willie Anderson clearing a lot of those holes open for him and and uh, other guys that were there between the late to mid '90s and the early 2000s, he did have some talent on that offensive line. So we we can't give him that. However, he didn't have you know the quarterback uh, really like uh, Joe Mixon has had. So it's kind of interchangeable there. But if you put Joe Mixon on um, a line like that does Joe Mixon have even more yards? I mean, we saw what Joe Mixon did last year with the bottom five offensive line. Still, according to PFF, is one of the top running backs in the league. I mean, he's right there with Ezekiel Elliott in runs of uh, 10 or more yards um, since 2017. And we all know Joe Mixon didn't start right away. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, he's, he's a multifaceted, talented running back. And I think um, the other thing is, is, I mean, those one-handed catch... I mean, I don't know. It, it's really hard for me to say, but I think if you're going to make an argument for him on that standpoint, I think that would be your argument. Man. But don't I get mean, it twisted. I think that Corey Dillon is the best. Corey, if you're listening to this... You're the goat, bro. I'm just doing this for show purposes or debate purposes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, you just ruined our whole Corey Dillon thing. <laughs> and, and one thing I wanted to uh, uh, put a little bit of uh, attention on too is our good uh, our good buddy here on Sensy Jungle, John Sheeran doing a um, he's doing a special right now, breaking the Bengals. Uh, top players and he's at number 14 just to give you a little sneak preview of it, it's a great article on it too but he's uh putting Von bill at number 14 and i don't know how often he counts down but check that out um it's a really really cool thing also what we were speaking about earlier was um you know like how mike brown uh, dealt you know with everything with the Bengals um in that 2018 situation uh, uh our other buddy um Uh, James Rapine has an article right now on SI.com where he's talking about how Joe Burrow could potentially uh, clash with Mike Brown's uh, stance. Because like I was, I was saying earlier in this, I think Joe Burrow's more on the side of I'm with my brothers and I understand perspective based on his, you know, his comments that he's released on Twitter and different things that he's already spoke out on. And that's a really good article that James examines just to kind of give people insight on like, someone potentially as big as Joe Burrow kneeling.
2: Right, no, and I uh, appreciate you guys being having an open uh, conversation with us. We've definitely seen comments on both sides. want to point out uh, one gentleman in particular. Um, thank you, Vincent Taylor, for your service, sir. Uh, or not Vincent Taylor, I'm sorry, Vincent Lewis. Um, and I wanted to pull up something that he said. Vincent Lewis says that he served 16 years in the Army, um, and he doesn't think that it was disrespectful and he fought to give people the right to kneel if you don't make a stand then nothing changes so thank you Vincent for those kind of words and then we also mm-hmm. have you know other people that have that feel differently and that and that's fine Um we're not always going to agree on these things but definitely just want to say thank you guys for at least being uh open-minded and and just uh at least you know acknowledging what the real issue is. So um, with that, with I encourage that being said, everyone
1: to get, get hit to the real issues that's going on, that's plaguing uh, this country right now. Just make sure you, you, you just educate yourself.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, thank you guys for listening to us and tuning in. Uh, we will uh, look forward to having you guys here back uh, either the end of this week or next week. We'll probably do a Q and a session with you guys get some of your thoughts and, and sentiments, uh but we are gonna go ahead and wrap this up please be sure to subscribe to the sensei jungle podcast follow my man zim huday on instagram at zim underscore be sure to hit up his fanatics link so you can go ahead and get you that mug that he's holding on to with your name on it or if you want to put zim huday on it you can put zim huday on it as well Uh, and then and then also um subscribe to our youtube channel or my youtube channel um new stripe city Uh, Here, This is where we kind of record our show. So if you want to actually see us and what we're wearing and what we're doing, um, then you can find us there. Uh, But thank you guys for tuning in. And hootay.
0: Hootay.